This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Olsen Salt, Australia's oldest family-owned salt company. We just want people to have fun. Like that at the end of the day, you know, like that's all that matters. It's 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 being hospitable. It's why we do what we do. It's to see the smile on people's faces. It's, you know, that's more important than them giving me a reading of that pasta dish was nine out of ten. I don't care about that. I care about if you left feeling great, if you had a good time. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Some of Australia's best chefs were not trained classically. Some have never even attended TAFE to complete an apprenticeship. Rather, they found homes under the wings of industry legends, mentors, and success stories to learn their trade. While the traditional apprentice programs work for many, training and evolution continues well beyond that time in the industry. Nick Wong, is the executive chef of Chichibella. Nick, how are you going? Hey, Huck, how are you doing? Good, mate. It's good to catch up. It's been a, been a while. You've, uh, you're a bit of a journeyman in the industry and been involved in so many um, amazing venues. Um, but I want to start with the sort of early on in your career because um, there were some really pivotal moments that changed um changed a career and the perception of it in the industry for you. Can you take us back to that time? Yeah, hundred percent, Huck. Um, look, I, I, I kind of fell into cooking purely for the reason of purely for the reason of having to get a job. You know, I had, I, I, I got booted out of school, just wasn't, wasn't for me. Um, and then just kind of rolled into the hospitality life and, and to be completely fair, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't in it for the for the long run. Um, definitely in it just for enjoying hospitality, enjoying um, enjoying partying. You know, like to be fair, you know, I was eighteen, um, just going out all the time, and 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 yeah, I just it just it kind of snowballed from there. But then, um, yeah, it, I was I was I was I stuck to my guns at TAFE, and lucky enough, I got into this program which was called um, Proud to Be a Chef and um became the new south wales finalist and got to meet some incredible people that i still talk to to this day like christine mansfield and stefano manfredi and and as a young cook that didn't really have any direction um doing something like that just like changed the course well you mentioned tafe and and the great backbone that it gives all chefs um to go on with their career but that, that moment with those sort of mentors, how did that change your perception on, on obtaining a career and succeeding in the industry? Yeah, I think, you know, really, really uh, the realisation of, of, of cooking being an actual career, I guess, you know, living under a, a, a traditional um, Chinese family, I was kind of guided into like, there's only, you know, two ways about it uh, of, of, you know, you need, you need to go to university, you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, which, you know, I don't blame my parents for in any way. It's just the fact that that's kind of how they were raised, I guess. Um, and, you know, I guess a lot of people, 
you know, probably even myself didn't really think of it as, as that much of a of a, a serious, um, fulfilling um, job where where you could where it was where you could make money and still enjoy what you're doing. Those formative years, you worked with Kylie Kwong and Neil Perry, and also at a wonderful little spot called Vinny, uh, which is no longer there. Uh, tell us about that period of time and the influence of those chefs and restaurants on you. Yeah, so I was, you know, after doing the the program, um, really just flicked a switch in my head, and and so I decided to try and get a job um, at Billy Kwong for working under Kylie. And, you know, they didn't really have a role and I just, you know, just knocked on the door and handed my resume in and kind of just hoped for the best. And, and I was super lucky because, you know, at the time it was, it was still my most cherished environment. It was still, and, and, you know, I, I feel that I, I, I learned a lot in the, in that time. Um, and bringing back the theme of what you were talking about, the mentor the mentors, like I worked for, for Hamish Ingham was my head chef. Tom McCary was sous chef. Matt Lindsay was in there. James Parry was in there. It was a power team, you know, and, and as a young, young kid from out West, you know, rocking up and seeing these, these guns of the industry and, and what they could show me. And, and yeah, I, was, I still talk to all of them to this day. Well, and you've linked up with them throughout your career further on as well with helping Matt Lindsay with Esther when that sort of got off the ground. And and you also um, were joint head chef of Bodega with Joel Humphreys. What was it like in that role with a restaurant that was so influential in changing the perceptions of um, casual dining in Australia? Yeah, so um, Joel and I, you know, still best best buddies. Um, yeah, we met in we met at um, we met at Rockpool. Um, and again, that forms, there's another, you know, like, I guess those, those, those institutions, they forge, you know, they have built, they have the, the infrastructure, um, to, to help guide young cooks, um, along their journey, you know, whether or not, you know, someone like Neil, like always, always will always look up to Neil in, in the sense of the way he can build the infrastructure for kitchens is just, it's that creates, that's, is like, you know, his kitchens are like TAFE kitchens, you know, where you can really learn every single element that you want to learn. Like is you, you can go as far as you can, you want to go working for, for someone like that. Um, but then back to, you know, being like going to Bodega with, with Joel. Um, yeah, look, Bodega was one of the, again, another institution restaurant where it really showed, really kind of i remember the first time i dined there i was like man this place is so fucking cool you know like <laughs> it just has the vibe it just had and that's where i really learned a lot more about you know i probably eased off on trying to cook um i guess i tried to what, what i'm trying to say is i tried to not just cook for myself i tried to cook for the room and and the space and i really learned more about um the holistic approach to hospitality which i really i really believe in now a lot a lot more like as opposed to tunnel vision cooking for a chef where all all that matters is what's on the plate 
Tell us a bit about this holistic vision of hospitality that you're talking about. Um, well, I think it comes, it falls back in line with why I fell in, why I enjoy um, what I do. Um, I don't think I necessarily enjoy what I do for coming up with a new flavor profile or coming or learning this really rad technique and nailing it with some special ingredient. Um, I think it's more, um, I, I learned earlier on that I think it's not, it doesn't just take this red hot chef to make an amazing venue. I think it takes a lot more. Like it's, it really does, you know, and, and, and having an appreciation for, um, for, uh, front of house, soms, um, bartenders, glasses, whatever, you know, what, uh, like just, just realizing what everyone has to bring to the table to make the table turn. You've been involved in the opening of the Apollo, Esther, Chocho San, and you're the head chef there as well. Um, some amazingly influence, uh, influential in restaurants. Tell us about that period of time and the momentum that you were part of with all of those sort of venues. Yeah, I, I, opening, opening. I guess that's another kind of like. Just look, I mean, like a lot of people in in the industry, I, I feel like I'm a I'm an adrenaline junkie, <laughs> and you know, you get the adrenaline from service every night. That's why you keep coming back. Um, but then you know, I started another form of addiction. I say, I would say, in in opening. Um, in opening a venue and, and I talked to a lot of other, other of my friends, chef friends about this and they're like, man, ha-, you know, they hate it because it's not perfect. There's a bit of a chaos to it. Um, but I, I just, I love how far it stretches me. I love how far it can really, I don't know, you, you see working with, working with other people, you really can you can see how they how they really are like you people can shine people some people don't can't handle it very well but then i keep i think i've learned to kind of recognize that early in others and maybe shelter them a little bit because you can you can see the potential in in them still um but yeah like like opening venues is 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 just another level of of um addiction <laughs> addiction i guess so yeah that's kind of what i'm trying to say uh well that sort of development and that uh, the opening up and and what you're talking about with training and mentoring young chefs that's really become a defining feature of of you as a chef now you're very heavily involved in um, new venues developing concepts and ideas and also mentoring and looking after chefs tell us a bit about that in regards to your role yeah, because I, I think, you know, especially during the last year, I guess we, you know, as a, as a community, we've, we've definitely lost some amazing cooks, chefs, all levels. Um, and I guess at the same time, though, we have gained the up-and-comers as uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say with that is, I think a lot of, um, you know, we, we we all know that 
that a lot of you know young young guns young young cooks that really are, are pushing the envelope um they eventually just um shoot off overseas which is i'm not dissing it at all it's just that's just the that's the fact so we tend to lose like our own um you know we tend to lose our own really red hot juniors so I think that there's a there's definitely a hole now where we need to mentor these guys and uh, guys and girls who 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 want to jet off overseas and go and you know they want to go and work in France or they want to go in the US but obviously now they can't and this is going to happen for a while so we need to be able to hopefully I would like to see them staying and be we be getting you know we'll get a lot more we get a lot more legs out of them, but we have to be able to, we have to be able to give them the the ability to grow as well. With this situation and the opportunity, do you think that there's um, a sort of a golden era uh, era down the path for hospitality with this amazing talent pool, um, if given the right mentorship in Australia? I'd like to think so, Huck. Um, <clears throat> it does come back down to you know, I hope that young 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 Aussie cooks, you know, they can look back and have the same kind of mentors that I had, um, you know. And I'm not that old, Huck. It's just it's only like <laughs> all, all my mentors are still around. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think that I'd like to, I'd like to think that they, they have, they've, they've been given that opportunity. Um, I guess we've still got a long way to go. Um, with with being sustainable, you know, we need to. We, you know, there was a massive error of there was a million, and we, you know, even though I'm I'm a massive culprit to it because I, I love the openings of venues, but there was so many new venues in, you know, what was that about five years ago? It's just like boom, it just blasted off, and we, you know, and it was the common, it was the common. Um, it was a common problem. Like everyone's understaffed, understaffed, understaffed or, or underskilled stuff, let's say maybe potentially. But, but now it's kind of like, there's a similar kind of problem, but I think if, as long as we, we've just got, like we may potentially as leaders, we need to change the way that we, we really take our team on. And, and when someone new comes into the kitchen, it's not as simple as, here's an apron, go and get changed out the back. Here, this is what you do. Like it's about an indu- proper induction and really making people feel that they belong. Whereas the, potentially in the past, it hasn't been like that. This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Olsen Salt, makers of Australian sea salt since 1948. We take the seawater from Great Australian Bight and then we store it in something called a primary pond. Then it's fed through a succession of ponds from anywhere between eight months and two years until it gets so heavy in brine and the water is evaporated off, the salt starts to fall out of the water and it's as simple as that. That's all that we do and we wash it in seawater and package it. Hi, I'm Alex Olson from Olson Sea Salt. 
Salt all over the world can taste differently and that's because salt has character in the same way that a wine has character from where it's grown. So salt from the Air Peninsula has a very fresh, clean, crisp flavour that some of the best chefs in Australia appreciate. Air Peninsula is a, a really remote location and because it's remote, it's considered a very pristine area. I mean, the next landfall is the Antarctic and that pristine water makes it a perfect place to make sea salt. For more information, go to olsons.com.au. I wanted to uh, have a look at how this approach has um, sort of dawned on you. I know that there's a period of time in your life after Chocho San where you kind of left Australia and worked on brand development in Tokyo, but you also had some time out and um, became a yoga instructor as well. And it's a really interesting period of time in your life. Can you tell us about that sort of period and how it affected what you do now? Yeah, I think taking a seat back, taking, you know, like the, the wind out of my sails out of, um, I guess, you know, running a team in at Chocho and, and heading over to Tokyo, which is, you know, it's any chef's dream to go and work over there. Like it's just incredible. Um, and in the capacity that I was working in was, 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 was quite, ironic an Aussie Chinese chef going to Japan <laughs> to teach Japanese kids how to cook Greek food. So, you know, there was, there was that element too, but I really took like, you know, when I, when I look back on that little element of it, it made me think about how to better my teaching because that was just on, you know, on my Japanese isn't great. Um, so, you know, you have to just the little things like I had to think of every single way that every single for every single, you know, pro, it was problem solving essentially. And but then in a in a in in human form, like having to 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 figure out what if, if whatever could go wrong could go wrong and try and fix it. And then also, um, you know, working with these guys that that couldn't we couldn't really communicate properly um it just it definitely bettered the way that I, like i teach just just approach um and it made me realize how important that was and then coming back and then and then um you know straight back into an opening as i love to do you know in in brisbane i think i, I really held that approach on um but you know I guess because it was more of because over in Japan it was not an operations role, so I never really had to do any kind of like service kind of stuff. Um, it was more really focusing on the brand, focusing on the teams, and helping them learn our way, like uh, our approach, the the Australian approach, I guess. Um, but then you know, coming back over here, just it it. It, you know, Brisbane is a beast. Um, that whole development is a beast. And, you know, I guess I, I, I also took some, I had a holiday um, and it was the first time I actually, uh, it was the first time my father, we, 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 were, we went to Burma um, and it was the first time my father had been back in like 46 years because they wow. fled. Um, and, during all the, it's, it's essentially what's happened in Burma. I'll just brief spiel, not not go off the topic. Brief spiel, Burma, the, 
the coup has happened multiple times throughout its, you know, in the last 50 years. And this is just, it's happened again. Not saying it's a good, obviously not saying, like, not sweeping under the rug. It's a terrible thing that's happening. But, yeah, it's it's happened before. So, anyway, my parents fled. And um, so, we went back um, at Christmas time. And that really, like, changed me a lot too. And I think I just kind of, I came back to Sydney and came, or came back to Greco after this little break. Because it was obviously a super emotional time to go away with my father then. And, um, yeah, I just kind of like, I think I just needed to have that break for myself because I hadn't stopped really at all, ever, before. You mentioned that trip with your father to Burma changed you. Can you tell us how that changed you? Um, maybe... Maybe to be like, I think it's just what was important, um, and I kind of the 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 maybe the I was just at the wrong venue, um, being with at Greco and stuff. It was just the beast that it was. I, I just I love busy big restaurants. That's not that's not what it's not not about. It's just um, working like that. I guess. I was just drained, you know, I, I think I was just drained. It was just, it was a, it was a full on time and um, yeah, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to, yeah, I just, I, I, I actually can't even put it into words. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just kind of like, I, I just need, I just needed the break. I didn't have, I'd like, like, I, I've always, always thought about it. Like, oh, did I have a breakdown at that stage? And no. I don't think I did. It's just that I kind of reflected a lot on that trip and it's it's it really resonates with the way that I want to look at moving forward. Um so yeah, and then so I decided to and and I was doing practicing a lot of yoga at the time. That's why I kind of had the time out and then and then decided oh I got nothing else to lose. Like why don't I just jump into it and give it a go and 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 the 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 training is 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 another level for those people who have done a, a um a, a, a yoga instructor course or anything similar like that. It's it you really really figure you you really go deep inside yourself. Like you know, you really do. Like I I um you know like I enjoy to you know I enjoy boozing on and stuff like that. But during that period, I. I, I didn't, I didn't drink. Um, and, and I, yeah, you, you, cause like, I guess at first face, a lot of people potentially might look at me and not be so, um, uh, they might not feel super comfortable to approach. And, and, and I think I got this a lot, especially in class, because the, the class that we did was, you know, I never, I, I would probably never really mix with the people that I did my course with, but you really do connect on another level, but probably more so connect on another level with myself. That's what happened. And it's, it's, it makes you like, as, as apart from the physical side of it, it does definitely make you, you know, like, it, it, you know, it brings you to tears. Yeah. 
Well, it led to some changes in your career and um, you, you were a part of a couple of uh, openings after that because you can't keep away from them um, with Arana and um, Shua Mama. Um, but you ended up joining the Icebergs group in a group development role, really targeting that sort of thing. Tell us about that original sort of when you first joined the group. Yeah, so when we first joined the group, um, which was, yeah, pretty much uh, late 2019. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, that was, it was the, because the role, I guess, um, I mean, these executive chef roles got thrown around and, and I, I didn't want to take the, like I didn't want an executive chef role at the start. You know, I didn't want... That's not what I wanted to like the, the way that I wanted to go. I wanted to really help um, mature and nurture the senior teams. Now that's kind of what I said, like what, what I went in with, you know, talking to Morris about, I said, this is what I would like to do. Like, because the group had a capacity to like, it had, it was a bigger, it was a, it's a much larger group before. So I was like, all right, I essentially, I, you know, I tried to write my own role. I was like, look, this is what I think I'm, this is my strength. You know, I love doing openings. Yeah. I can be, I can be a, you know, I can be a, I can, I can sit in the dugout until you open a venue and then boom, I'm in no problem. That's why I love doing that. But, you know, I want my key to be, you know, to really mentor these guys, um, these head chefs, these sous chefs, um, and give them the tools to mentor, they're juniors. Um, I didn't want it as easy as I oh, just throw me into a kitchen and I can help build your junior team. I think that's well and good. And I'm happy I wasn't not against it, but I think what I really wanted was to give the head chefs, you know, coming back to infrastructure, I wanted to build that for, for, for the whole group. Like that's kind of what I was, that was my goal, I guess. Um, and then the unfortunate happened, I guess, with, 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 with lockdown and things change and, and, and businesses change and the, the group dispersed and became a bit smaller and, you know, and, and um, yeah, it's just the, that's life and that's okay. But um, that, that I'll still always, you know, I still, I get, essentially that's kind of where I'm drifting towards now. Um, you know, I'm trying to do this. Um, in the right way, be 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 a leader, but also teach my leaders how to lead too. Well, you are veering back towards that role for the group, and the group is expanding more, um, and has opened a couple of more sites with uh, Chichibella at um, Parramatta, and there's also um, Byron Bay as well, and the city. Um, mm. t- tell us about the restaurant and um, and what it's all about. Yeah. So Chichabella, the, the, the Chichabella brand. So the original, um, being in Bondi, um, that actually opened as I pretty much started with the group. Um, it wasn't really an intention at the start to, to take over, like look after that, that venue or that brand. Um, because as we just discussed, you know, I kind of want that as my role. Like I love, I like, I want to mentor these, these, these head chefs, essentially or sous chefs um so yeah so the so the the brand it's a um 
it, it flies under the Morris Dazzini banner. Um, we just, we're not classic, but we're not future, you know, modern gastro kind of st- style stuff. We, you know, we're honest cooking, um, always built around some kind of natural element. Um, I mean, I guess with the Bondi site, we have a beautiful old wood fire pizza oven. So, you know, I really kind of tried to scale things back and tried to cook a lot of things in the wood fire as much as we can. Um, because that's just, it's, it's something that I, you know, it's something that I love. And I think, um, it also, it's part of the venue. So, Obviously, we want to incorporate that as much as we can. Um, and then the Parramatta, the Parramatta site, which is, um, it, you know, the the venue is, it's it's got the same DNA, um, but it's not the same. I guess it, it's always it's it has definitely been a um, a venue that's been designed for a mini CBD precinct. I guess um, Parramatta is just crazy now. I. I you know, I grew up in Parramatta, and it's <laughs> nothing like it was now. Um, it's very, it's very different. Um, um, demographic is very different, so that that's also something that, um, you know, like any like any time you venture outside of opening a venue in Eastern Sydney, you know, it's different. Um, so there's there's always those things to be uh, take into consideration. Um, but yeah, we we still still same hold the same ethos. It's all about um, it's just casual experience. We just want people to have fun, like that. At the end of the day, you know, like that's all that matters. It's 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 being hospitable. It's why we do what we do. It's to see the smile on people's faces. It's you know that's more important than 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 them giving me a reading of oh that that. Pasta dish was nine out of ten. I don't care about that. I care about if you left feeling great, if you had a good time, you know. And that com- that encompasses what I was saying about you know engage, you know, like um, the importance of front and back, front and back of house connection and things like that. It's just a holistic approach. That it, it, it all stems back in that, you know. It's yeah. With the multiple venues now, is it allowing you to? Um, finally build that sort of platform and infrastructure that you had intended? Yeah, definitely. Um, now, you know, I've got two great head chefs, um, you know, at the at Bondi, Bondi branch and the Parramatta branch. So, you know, it really, I can spend my time with them and on them, but then also help um, the junior guys just, you know, as, as, as we need be. Um, but yeah, it def- definitely does huck. I think it's, and you know what? It's only taken me this conversation to kind of really realize that I've been doing it, but I haven't really been pushing for that. Um, like I haven't set that intention in myself. Oh, that's what I need to do. That's how I need to focus. But talking with you about it, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, like maybe it is It is definitely making me – I'm still more – like I'm still I'm, – I'm, I'm creating my own path essentially. Um, and I think a lot of people are, but – don't necessarily know it all the time. There's been a lot of focus on mentoring young chefs from different uh, people and organizations in the industry, but there's never really talk about mentoring um, workers that have been in the industry for a long time, like you're talking about. What's the challenges involved in being a mentor for head chefs and senior staff? 
Uh, I guess the number one challenge is ego. Huck, number one challenge is ego for sure. Um, and I was there too. I, <laughs> I won't lie. I guess like growing, growing up as a young, young cook in, in, in the kind of environment that we, that, that we're exposed to ego is huge and, and it clashes and it's, you know, it's a very emotional kind of, it's, it's, it's just very strong emotion, I should say. Um, so look, I think ego is the, is the, you know, is the big one. I, I, it's not like I want to kind of, um, tiptoe around situations cause that's, it happens. Um, but if you can learn to develop, like if you can learn to, if you can learn to harness your own ego and then I guess it gives you a little bit more strength to be able to to project. It just gives you a little bit more to kind of be able to learn to teach better. Um, I think that I think that the the, the clashes that I had, um, I always never have lost my temper. I think we need to kind of like patience, ego and patience, are like go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, definitely the biggest challenge is, 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 is people's ego because sometimes people, sometimes, you know, as a, as a head, as a head chef of a venue, you often feel that no one can tell me what to do. I'm the boss. Um, but it, you know, and, and it's learning to not tell people what to do, but, you know, trying to grow, trying to grow that person. And that, that's, that's not an, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. It's an, it's, you've got to constantly chip away at, you know, trying to get across to people, I guess. You've uh, had a turbulent year and we just sort of skimmed over the lockdown and sort of the change of roles, but it sounds like it's morphing back into what you had intended in the first place. But um, has the last year or so changed uh, you and the way you perceive the industry? Um, yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, I think especially at the start, obviously everyone's scrambling, scrambling, scrambling um, in that first week or so, two weeks. Um, um, I didn't really stop. I didn't, we didn't stop at all or not we, but just like senior, a couple of senior guys, we just kind of didn't stop. We just kind of wanted to keep the momentum going in thinking about things we can do. Um, because Ch the Chichabella brand was quite new, I think, um, you know, it hadn't even been six months old when that happened or oh, just six months old. So, you know, that was kind of a little bit of something to be wary about. So that was kind of, that was a bit of a focus, I guess. Um, whereas icebergs was super strong, you know, it was okay. Um, so yeah, we tried to build that as a brand and, and, and I, uh, the Chichabella brand to just hold it, hold its own. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, just during the scramble, everyone changes. You, you like everyone, everyone's thinking about, oh, what am I like? do I really want to be doing this? Is this, 
something I believe in? Is it, is it, um, is it important? I think I kind of swept a lot of those things under the mat because I was honestly more concerned about those staff members that were not, you know, they're not, they're not getting treated well. They're not getting looked after. They're not, you know, those visa guys. And, you know, there's been many sad stories on this podcast about those kind of things. So, you know, we probably don't need to dwell on them too much, but they are very much, they do change you, you know, going through, you know, having to let go of 40, 50 staff or, or in, in a day kind of thing, or, you know, that definitely makes you, um, that, that was the drive to strength, to hold jobs for people. For me, anyway, that was my, that was the drive of, all right, we need to make, we just need to survive. Like we need, as in survive, meaning we need to, we need to make sure that people have jobs at the end of this as well. That's kind of where I was thinking. Like, I'm like, all right, as, as you know, we need to put money in people's pockets right now, but also we need a job for everyone to come back to. So that was important. The group will open a couple of more Chichibella um, soon, and um, which is pretty exciting for you, and it'll expand the role that you wanted to do when you first joined the group. But um, what what are you most looking forward to over the next year? Yeah, so we've 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 you know feeding my addiction yet again my <laughs> of opening. We've got yeah. Um, so venturing up to Byron, um, though necessarily it might not be. Uh, we might not call it a chichibella, but it will we'll be looking after it. Um, that's you know super exciting. I mean, obviously, you know Byron had a boom during COVID. Um, just purely geographically, it was the furthest path north, furthest place north that you could go in 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 New South Wales. So it, it really boomed, and 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 a lot of people did really well. Um, some not so much um, up there, and but yeah, you know this site, it, it's 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 really exciting because I think it's it's one of those you know like I've never really seen myself as a a beachy kind of person to be perfectly honest with you. But this is like now, like, you know, you know, um, with the vision of Evan Morris as well behind it, it's like, Oh yeah, cool. We could do something really, really cool here. And you know, that, that element of, of, of walking off the beach and just having a very good piece of food to eat, you know, um, with sand still on your feet kind of thing. I, I love that. Like, you know, the, there hasn't been a venue like that since, uh, like I think anyway, since North Bondi Italian. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then we've got another, and we've got um, a venue in the city, um, which, you know, hopefully it's it, it sounds like everyone's, you know, coming back in and which is great. Um, you know, that's kind of what we need. That's what our economy needs. Um, and yeah, so don't like, um, that's another, you know, that's another, that's another tick on the box as well. It's it's like this super Uber underground kind of cool, dark, um, city space. Wow. 
Well, Nick, um, it's always great to catch up and um, super impressed and um, to, to hear of the focus that you've got on, um, on helping those in the industry, not just the young ones, but also those that have made a career out of hospitality. Um, it's always good to catch up, mate, and hear your story. Uh, please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.